This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, otherwise known as ERP therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. We're hot. We're fun. We're crying. But we're trying. We've got looks. We've got books. Also, we're sad. Sad Sad girls girls who read. read. Hello, sad girls. Hey, sad girlies. Me and Erin are matching. Um, Unfortunately. In the same. You said unfortunately. This was not planned. Yeah. You said. (laughs) We didn't mean to. Yeah, this was not planned. An exciting matchy. This week, we are covering Page Boy by Elliot Page. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs to kind of orient us into the story. The Oscar-nominated star who captivated the world with his performance in Juno finally shares his story. Can I kiss you? It was two months before the world premiere of Juno, and Elliot Page was in his first ever queer bar. The hot summer air hung heavy around him as he looked at her. And then it happened in front of everyone, a previously unfathomable experience. Here he was on the precipice of discovering himself as a queer person, as a trans person, getting closer to his desires, his dreams, himself, without the repression he'd carried for so long. But for Elliot, two steps forward always came with one step back. At its core, this beautifully written winding journey of what it means to untangle ourselves from the expectations of others is an ode to stepping into who we truly are with defiance, strength, and joy. I love the joy part. Amen. Amen. I love the joy part. Um, Haley's partner, Carter, is doing a trans joy support group. And I just, I feel like we don't hear enough about the joy. I know. And watching Elliot go through his journey and finding so much joy in the end, you could feel it radiating out of his bones it made me happy it made me so happy and it made me think about like so much like how easy it is for me to exist as like a bisexual person now but like mm. literally just 10 years ago mm. it's not like that it's so not at all and awful yeah the harassment and the abuse that he suffered his whole life and probably still continues to is yeah. horrific so What were your initial impressions or I guess overall impressions of this book? I love this book. I've never read a memoir by a trans person and also like a memoir by an actor that's trans. I don't really read many memoirs, period. So this is a first for me in a lot of ways. And I loved how candid and vulnerable Elliot was. He really shared some not so easy things to talk about especially in the industry and it illuminated a lot of things for me as an actor we'll go into it later but like being on set and you feeling in danger and not feeling like you're allowed to say anything because you don't want to be a problem or you don't want to be too much when they didn't have seatbelts for him in that chasing scene horrible yeah but there was so many moments like that that really just gave me a new outlook and I learned so much in such a short book and I I loved it. What are you about you, Allegra? Absolutely loved it for sure. I think it was so vulnerable 
such an important story to tell. Like at the beginning when he says to all those who came before and the way that he referenced that at the end, like existing mm. in his life and like how, when he had a crush on like the sandwich maker, what was her name? Like Jessica or something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even really a crush. He wanted to be around her because she was queer. And mm. now he gets to be that for other people, I think is just so mm. It's so wonderful. Um, so I I mean, just so vulnerable, so important, so impactful. I was the tiniest bit confused along the story. I think looking at it now, it's it's kind of like essays. But at first, I, I thought it was just kind of a straightforward memoir. But I don't think the essays were as... <sighs> I guess maybe in a, in line or chronological as I would have liked, I think I felt a little bit lost and disoriented in the story quite a bit mm-hmm. of the time. Like we'd be in, you know, his filming and then we'd jump back to age 12 and then we'd be in him at 27 in the Bowery Hotel. And like, I was just a little bit rattled around a little bit. Does that yeah, it wasn't chronological and that confused us a bit because we didn't always understand how we got from one story to the next yes. and what that i'm sure there was a reason but we didn't i feel like you have to guide the reader through that you know and it's a hard thing to do but like as i was reading this i was thinking about me being a writer and like yeah you really have to like literally guide the reader through the Mm -hmm. entire book and i feel like there were times where i was like a little bit lost and also i feel like some of the language was a little bit um Like it felt almost like he was trying a little bit too hard when he didn't need to. He's a fantastic writer. He's so good. But I almost feel like he was trying to prove it like in ways that he didn't need to. Where sometimes like I had to reread sentences because it was like he repudiated the street down the left narrow lane of the and I was just like, what am I reading right now? The history piece in the beginning, Allegra and I were. I was. I mean. I'm not a history ga- girl, so like anytime you talk about history, I'm gonna black out. So maybe someone smarter would stay on the course. I loved everything. I I really, as you said, just didn't follow when he was going into the history of Canada and the buildings and the and I'm like I'm stupid. Like I just no, but don't. you're not stupid, and you know what's so cool about like you saying that is like. A, it teaches me things as a writer again, but like from a writer's perspective, my teacher said two weeks ago, like, is what you're writing about adding to your story if it's not cut it out? And that's the hardest thing to do because we all have so many things we want to talk about, like the history of Canada, but the history of Canada, like didn't add to his story whatsoever. It was like excess that could have been chopped off. I agree, but I also feel like there was, and I don't know if I'm correct, but I didn't pick up on it, but do you think he had some underlying like metaphors? He was trying to compare his life to the history of Canada. I just wasn't. I wasn't. Kidding. I wasn't following. Yeah, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that there was probably some like connection to it. Yeah. But I found myself literally. I was on my roof just like rereading that part because I just wasn't grasping yeah. like what was going on. But other than that, I mean, he is a phenomenal writer and. Wow, I am blown away and just I feel horrendous for everything he had to go through. I appreciated that he acknowledged his privilege and how it was hard for him to come out, but it would have been multitudes harder if he was a lot of other people in the world. And I love all the work he does. He's kind of a legend. I didn't realize all the 
amazing shit he did. And you know what's wild about that? What it got me thinking about is two things. The first is like that he acknowledges privilege is so like just so profound and that he's always willing to learn and grow. But also like he is literally someone who was outcast from society. He was told from such a young age that he couldn't be who he was like transgender people can't exist in the world as cisgender people are. So he is coming from a place of like, he has lawmakers trying to make decisions about who he is, but then he has to go on this, like I am privileged still. And that to me was so like, that kind of felt sad to me. It's like, you've gone through Mm -hmm. so much, but you still have to recognize that you are more privileged than someone else. Mm -hmm. Gone through so, so, so much to just be yourself in the world. I know that makes sense. No, it does. I, I appreciated it, but it also made me sad. I was like, why do we have to, why, why have we put you in this position to have to like even apologize kind of that, that. And I feel like so often like queer and trans folks and black folks and are put in that position of like having to do that advocacy work. And I liked that he Mm -hmm. talked about that at the end of the book with the people in Uganda. And he said, this is not their duty. Like, this is not what they should be having to do. But I feel like so often we see that the people who are oppressed are having to do that, like teaching and education. And it's really fucked up. It puts more pressure on the person who's oppressed and it makes absolutely no sense to me. But that's always how it happens because the people doesn't affect kind of step back and watch it and that's why it's important for all of us to do the work elliot we're gonna do the work we're gonna do the work honey get- like us with ocd right like we have ocd are mm-hmm. people without ocd going around like advocating for ocd around no. right exactly so it's like it does kind of often fall on the person who's like experiencing it and it would be so yeah. awesome if like everybody could learn about you know these things not ocd is obviously not as you know, you're not as impacted. Well, like mental health in general. Right. Instead of making assumptions or, you know, we could right. we could do a whole episode about that. Right. Elliot. Knew he was a boy at six years old. Page 15. Oh, my God. Can I be a boy? I asked my mother at six years old. He knew. And it's crazy. He came out as a lesbian when he was identifying as female. And that in itself was a huge step. And as an actor in that time, especially even 10 years ago, it was so taboo and like people were so fucking weird about it. And that was brave then. And then he's like, wait, that's not it. And it took him so much longer to come out as trans because there's so much more stigma and judgment and shame. And it's pretty iconic that he did it the way he did it. And it's going to open a lot of doors for people to feel like they can as well. It's it's amazing. Two things came to mind for me here. I feel like the argument always is that kids can't know about their gender identity or sexual orientation. And it's like, but we just presume that kids from a very young age are straight and cisgender. So how yeah. can someone who is transgender not know that at a young age? And Elliot is literally saying, like, I knew this at six years old. And we should he- be listening to people with lived experience. Yeah. And he likened it to he's like, imagine you're wearing clothes that feel like awful and they're like sticky and they're like tight and you just want to get out of the clothes. He's like, that's what it's like existing in a body that's not your own. Like he couldn't look in the mirror every time he walked by mirrors or reflections. He felt repulsed. And then he started punishing his body because of that. And that made me so sad. 
the way that I think about it, and I think I might have seen this on Instagram, is like, have you ever been in like a really like scratchy, like sequiny outfit? It's like new years and you're in, and it's just so uncomfortable and it's itching your body all night. That's what I imagine. Obviously, I don't know, but like gender dysphoria to be like to a certain extent, but it's can never take that itchiness off. It comes everywhere mm, with you. Yeah. And like, especially being an actor and being trans, you're already playing roles all day, every day. And Elliot got f- famous very young and played a shit ton of roles their whole life. So they're stepping into these roles every day. And then when they go home, he can't be himself. Imagine how disorienting and depressing that must have felt. This. And that's what I wanted to talk about too is he like it felt like such a prick he literally called himself a prick because there was a like heterosexual cisgender man on set who said well i would wear skirts i don't get what the problem is and it's like no shit you don't get what the problem is because in Mm -hmm. every life you get to be the man that you are whereas Mm -hmm. elliot had to exist as a female you know assigned female at birth when he knew that he wasn't so if you're Mm -hmm. already pretending in your everyday life like why would you want to step into this thing that you love and then have to pretend again it's so much more painful yeah it's just adding on top on top of like him hiding hiding from not even like yeah we act and we act like different people and different whatever but he was never for one second able to be his full self and that compounded until he like was unwell which is understandable so understandable and i think it's like it's such a different experience i we can't compare to people who are like cisgender and heterosexual and get to exist in the world freely like what does it feel like i'm just curious kind of as an aside for you to like step into a different role like do you get into that character like what does that feel like well elliot was saying he played that role i think it was a female teenager who was abused correct that was really hard to read yeah like and he kind of got stuck so when you're young it's hard to navigate coming in and out of roles especially ones that are that like the story is so sad and the mental health of the character is so low you kind of yeah the only word i can think of is it it gets stuck like i had to work in therapy because one of the characters i played was like she had like an abusive father and she was like living in like not a great place and was exposed to a lot of drugs and was depressed and all this stuff. And I I would go into it and it would like get stuck in my body and I would be like crying every scene. But then when I went home, I like couldn't get out of it. I would be so I had to learn ways to like step in and then leave that at in the trailer like and then go home and live my life and i feel like elliot experienced that same thing and it really impacted him for the worse as you grow up i feel like that's something actors should be taught but they're not as you grow up you should learn ways to like coping and self-soothing and ways to separate and meditate and all that stuff but god that that scene where he was beaten was awful Girls, it was so horrendous. You know what this reminded me of? This is a total offside, but I saw this TikToker the other day who I think is an actress and she does like TikTok showing people how to do like red carpet poses. What if you like did TikToks about like how to step in and out of like the scene? Like what if you did like a like teaching acting from an actor's perspective? Oh my God, I feel like that's so hard because like each person relates to their character based on their own life experience. They like 
they like I I have this experience, you have this, I meet in the middle and find this shared experience. So I feel like it's doable, but it's really such a personal thing. Everyone's is different. I just to get you on TikTok, like behind the scenes of an actor, you know, like what go like what it you know what I mean? I feel like behind the scenes of an actor, me in my bed all day. (laughs) Like we don't see it enough. Like like even when he had to explain, I know what it is because I have actor friends. But when he said, like, I read my sides and then mm-hmm. he was like, here are the lines that you read. Like, how cool mm-hmm. would that be for you to be on TikTok? Like, these are sides and this is what this means. Oh, my God. I, I laughed out loud that he said that's lines because I was like, who wouldn't know that? And then I'm like, oh, people really know that. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that at all. That's like my whole life. Reading sides is my whole fucking this is your life. Niche, I think my niche. Mm. I need to like I'll pass. I think I'll pass, but I I do have a niche somewhere. We'll find her. Niche, are you there? Niche, it's me, Aaron. So Elliot is busy being an absolute star, flying around the freaking world, doing all these roles, but also is miserable, closeted, feeling like the pressure is just building. Okay, but also I I liked that he did find some peace in his job. And I think we both can relate to this on 160. He said, working fueled me. It forced me to be in the present, forced me to feel. I feel like he wanted to numb a lot during that time, but showing up to work and being in character helped him ground himself and be present. And I totally, like I was going through one of the worst periods of my life when I filmed the show I was on for like a year. And if I didn't have that show, I would be probably in the ground. Like, but Allegra, you... I get like that. to work as well. And it's so interesting too. Cause like me as a therapist, I feel like people will say like, how do you do your work when like you're going through stuff? But it's like, oh my God, when I'm going through stuff, it's like even better to do my work because I'm mm-hmm. so pulled out of my own experience. And I'm just like present with that person. Mm-hmm. I like, don't know. I honestly don't know what I would do without work, which is like probably like a minor issue, but i <laughs> probably some like we're going to something we should look into but yeah i'm we'll, like i should probably look at like wa workaholics anonymous we'll save that for a later date that's like another episode as well i definitely could go and we could film like an episode of me at workaholics anonymous i'm fucking dead i'll be yeah i'll be the camera person you're doing great sweetie they're like raise your hand if you ever stay up until three and i'm like <laughs> raise your hand if you haven't slept in 18 years <laughs> I'm like me. Raise no, I really. And you know what I was happy about too is that like Elliot's parents didn't force him into acting. And I would be curious about your parents because I feel like a lot of the times with child stars, the parent wants it more than the kid does. Oh my god! I, I think we talked about this in another episode, but I grew up with a bunch of like dance moms all around me. My mom didn't understand theater very much and kind of stayed out of it, and I really love that because it let me pursue it, and she supported me like quietly from the back. But these other moms, oh, my God, there's this one girl. Her mom was so on top of her and forcing her into doing theater that she is a drug addict now. So, like, it it doesn't go well. This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, otherwise known as ERP therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. 
With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. Also, I want to talk about, do you see that new Allison whatever documentary? She's talking about child stars and how fucked up they all are and how they're all like. She came out as gay. Did she come out as gay? Wait, wait, Allison, what's her last name? She was like the dancer in the Missy Elliott video. Yes, she is such a fucking lesbian and I die for it. And oh my God, when she came out and it's that story, like it's, it mirrors Elliot's in so many ways. Like I remember reading about she fell for this woman at like a dance rehearsal, but didn't have the language for it. And then was like, what is this even? And then had to hide it. Like was, I think was in a relationship when she wrote that letter for teen Vogue, I think it was. And then felt like I have to hide this. It, it also reminded me of Jeanette and her crazy, crazy mom. I mean, these kids in the industry. Yes. Yes. I have to say like, Oh my God. Massive girl crush. I remember I loved her dancing. I would try to do it in my mirror and I could not. And also like cheaper by the dozen loved that. (gasps) Wait, we should have her on. Oh, Oh my God. We should have her on. Yeah. I was glad that Ellie had that like respite. I don't know if this is going to formulate, but like, it just reminds me of like how harmful like gender reveals can be and forcing Mm -hmm. your kids to like wear these things that you're, that they're like not comfortable in. And I guess like maybe the argument could be, but like, how do you know they're not comfortable when they tell you when they're like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to wear bows to school. Like you Mm -hmm. listen to your kid and it's like, okay, then we're not going to wear bows. Whereas like Elliot on page 44, when he was filming Pit Pony, he says, my gender dysphoria was rife. The tights glued to my body, the way my dresses flowed, those fucking bows, like the barrettes my mom would snap in my hair, like looked in the mirror and didn't even know who he was. So it's like, yeah, I guess when your child is a baby and you put them in like a pink onesie or something, it's like, okay, they Mm -hmm. don't really know. But the second your kid knows and is like, I want to wear a dress or I don't like that's when you need to start listening to your child. Absolutely. And the fact well, we can go to the old Navy story that he mentioned once that he wanted to wear girls clothes for his cousin's birthday because he didn't want to be made fun of. And his mom was so excited. She guilted the shit out of him. I do appreciate how they worked really hard to get through their their um tumultuous times and they healed and him and his mom are closer than ever but wow she she messed up she messed up like she lit up like the fucking rockefeller tree when he said that he wanted to go get girls clothes and like what really struck me which i guess is so often the case with people is like it was all about the mom's image the mom Mm -hmm. want to have a gay or transgender child Mm -hmm. and it's like so you're willing to literally sacrifice your child's mental health and cause so much harm to your kid because you're afraid of what other people are going to think. Like you should probably think yeah. about that before you have a kid. There's been a lot of bad parents in the books we've read. And a lot of these people need to go to read. They need to go somewhere. They need, they need to pray. I literally firmly. When I say pray, I'm joking. I, I keep firmly. saying Who's I your need God? God and people are like, no, I huh? agree. I'm like, I don't necessarily believe, but like, I do need God. I need something. I need like Glennon's oil, like some kind of God. Yeah. I need Prozac. 
we like, need but I do think, and I'm curious what you think. I saw this thing on Instagram that was like, if you, it might, it was Matt. I think he has this like awesome account. If you are not ready to have a gay or transgender child, you do not need to have children. Mm-hmm. And I just go. so heavily because when you're having a kid, you're signing up for literally anything. I'm gonna have you a can't kid. Pick and better choose. Be, there we go. It better be white, male, straight, Christian, literally. <laughs> Christian. <laughs> No, it's true. Like, I just can't imagine. Like, I think about myself now, like, in, like, boys' clothes. And it's just, like, if someone was, like, shave your head and, like, wear boys' clothes, I would, like, I would feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's the same way. It's, like, us feeling, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I would have, I was always, like, I loved, like, my hair and all that shit. And Elliot did not. And... Also, the way that his mom reacted at Old Navy when he put on a dress and he felt so uncomfortable and he felt so sad and he was like shaking visibly and his mom was beaming and he's like, I'll just suck it up because I just want my mom to be happy. My heart broke. That was so sad. That was so sad. Like to grow up and not be able to exist as who you are, to Mm. not be able to exist as who you are in the eyes of your own family and the whole world criticizing you you have people speculating about your sexuality in the newspapers as if that's like any of their fucking business and then yeah to be in the public eye that young is there's especially as someone who's out i can't even imagine people are so mean and ignorant and i can't imagine now which is like wild because obviously there's still so much like homophobia and Mm -hmm. stigma but like if i guess if you really think about it like 2013 was not like this no or was not like this i was just watching a movie like a 90s movie yesterday because it was like on hbo or something and the way there was so many casual homophobic sexist racist jokes that everyone was just doing i was like oh my god we've come a long way but also like how did people say this? My mind was blown. Right. It was bad. It's, you know, the movie that I just got told about that I've never seen, but it's the one where Gwyneth Paltrow wears a fat suit. And I'm like, I haven't seen that. why was this ever allowed to happen? Why was this ever allowed to happen? I hate that for everybody. That's upsetting. Yeah. I feel like, no, you're right though. And it feels like, well, it's like, well now gay people exist, but it's like, no, even in today's, even in 2023, didn't mm-hmm. you call the year of our Lord? Who wasn't that you? I did. Even though I don't even know what that means. The year of our Lord. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And like, even me, like I was reading, I was having so much gratitude for Elliot for just like showing up in the way that he did, because if it weren't for people like him, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to exist today as totally. I am, you know? Totally. And so, and I think we always have to remember that like with pride, like Marsha P. Johnson, mm-hmm. like really thinking about the people who came before us, which honestly was a lot of black and trans folks. Absolutely. And Elliot did a really great job of honoring them and including them in his story and oh it was beautiful so can we talk about uh, Elliot's dad and his stepmom and the siblings and how they bullied him and how absolutely wild this was I was super triggered for a lot of reasons so I didn't grow up living with siblings but later in my life I had kind of step I wouldn't call them step siblings they were people 
in my close family circle that could have been labeled as that, but I didn't consider them that. Anyway, that was not necessary to say. That was any actually of that. so necessary because I say shit like that too. But anyway, like I wanted to ask you, Allegra, because of I saw like the way that what's your name, Linda, oh. bu- bullied Elliot, and also the kids kind of joined in and they called him a skid mark. Did you have any experience with bullying when you were younger from your siblings? Because I saw my friends and their siblings do it, but it was kind of just like play and you could tell when it was crossing a line. And can you tell me about like your experience growing up? Yeah. Like, so it's so interesting. I feel like when a parent does it, it sets the stage for this is okay. Mm-hmm. And then kids learn through modeling and then they join in too. And like, I'm not saying all kids are assholes. Like when we're younger, you know, I said and did things to my siblings that like, I regret, you know, like, but I do think there's a difference between like, normal kid conflict and banter and then like mm-hmm. horribly picking on someone every day which is what happened to Elliot mm-hmm. and I relate to that in the sense of like my dad made fun of me so much for my weight that like my brother in first grade I think I might have told the story I don't know but my dad was like making my first email address because it's when like the internet was like coming about and he said what do you want your email address to be called? And my brother, who's literally in first grade, goes in front of my aunt, in front of my dad. He goes potbellyallegra at gmail.com because like he had just absorbed everything that my dad had said. So that happens in families. Like you see the parent doing it and then you think it's okay. And then you chime in and it becomes this like gang of people. Like they would call me like FedEx from cheaper by the dozen. So like I was the kid that like wasn't wanted. <laughs> like I know it's fucked. In what world would a parent think that is anywhere near acceptable? That is straight up vicious and mean. Yeah. yeah. So vicious, but like look at fucking Linda. It's so sad to recognize there are so many parents like that who Mm. bully and criticize and make fun of and mock like, and then I think like to see your own father not stand up for you, it really makes you feel like I must be this person. My own father is not even saying anything. Yeah. My own father like found this new woman has these new kids yet will not stand up for me or my feelings in front of them. Like there probably is no worse feeling. Elliot, I can relate to you. What I also really related to was Elliot and his dad had this close relationship. But then when Linda came into the picture, she kind of changed and manipulated and was this voice in his ear. And I grew up with a very similar, almost scarily similar situation and it was crazy i like i would go from having a very deep conversation with my dad to the next week he would be influenced by his new wife and they would just be so mean to me like so mean to me and elliot dealt with his dad's abuse emotional abuse his whole life. And it took him until he was 30 something to become estranged. It took me until I was 25 to become estranged. But reading this story really made me feel so seen. I've never heard anyone really talk about parent estrangement like Elliot did. And I fucking loved it. Elliot, thank you for writing that and being so like we you, you put your heart out there and I appreciate it so much. That must it's beautiful. Been, I mean, hard to read for sure. Like probably triggers, yeah. but also like, wow, there's someone else out there who gets it. Yeah. And like 
Elliot said that the period of time when he became estranged, like the first year or so was the hardest time of his life. It was the hardest time of my life. I like wanted to die. Like Elliot said, he wanted to die. And it made me feel like, oh, like you're not broken. You're not something like like someone else has experienced this and felt the same way. Like you have a reason to feel like this. It was really books are magic. Books are magic. No, they really are. It's beautiful. It's healing. I don't like also the, like the narrative of like, but this is your family. Like my sister has said that to me before, like, but family is blood. This is your family. And he kind of like Elliot's father said that about Linda, like you, you need to forgive Linda. And it's like, just because you're my family doesn't give you a pass to be a fucking asshole. Absolutely. I'm not going to forgive you when you treat me like fucking shit, just because like I was born and shared genes with you. If someone is toxic, if someone brings any abuse, physical, mental, spiritual into your life, you do not, they do not need to be in your life. They could be your father. They could be your friend. It doesn't matter. Like you do not have to have anyone in your life. Anyone who tells you otherwise is maybe ignorant to that experience and lucky. So that's exactly it. I feel like people can't fathom having a parent that's that awful, but it's like, yeah, Sweetie, it happens. Yeah, honey. Let me tell you. Honey, it it happens real hard. It real happens. Big, real huge. Also, um, the eating disorder. I know that we can relate to that. My yeah, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. It made me so sad. There's so many eating disorders. And that makes me also feel less alone, but also makes me just so sad. What I liked is that he said, I'm going to actually quote this verbatim because it's really important. He went to see a therapist and said, the conversation revolved around when and what I should eat for breakfast, for a snack, outlines of what should be on my supper plate, nothing beyond food. And it was all beyond food. Mm. Often so true about eating disorders. It's like Dude, that's what happened to me. There's so much deeper. Like, it's not even necessarily about the food and body, like, For me, when I think about like eating disorders and disordered eating, it stems from a place of like, I want to be loved and accepted and I want a partner and like, it's not even, it's not like I care that fucking much about food. It's always control of some sort or wanting to change something, but having no control. So you focus on yourself. Right. It's like, if I am struggling dating, then maybe if I just controlled myself, like it's going to give me more control. And it's like, that's, it's an illusion, but it feels Mm -hmm. like it really will be helpful. That makes me sad that the therapy that he had just focused on food. Cause I remember when I was in, I was in like, in call in my last year of college, like kind of extensive, not inpatient, but outpatient, but still I went like twice a week. And all we focused on was like planning meals and like weighing myself and stuff like that. But we never talked about like why I was doing it. And I was like, I think we're missing something y'all. Right. Which you are. Yeah. And then that needs to be incorporated into ED therapy. I think like in a big way, it really does. Like my friend Jackie's an eating disorder therapist. And she always says like, if it weren't the eating disorder that was bothering you, if it weren't the eating disorder that you were fixated on, what else would you be fixated on? And like, that's probably the thing we need to be talking about. It's so it's like, it's like putting a bandaid kind of on top of what's actually happening. Yeah. I was thinking about all of Elliot's relationships and I mean, so much lesbian sex. I have to say like, what a, what a fucking 
all these sex experiences, which is oh, yeah. horrible because he had to hide them. But I was like, yeah. yes, queer sex. Ugh, but then like the comparison of having to hide and not touch in public and feeling like mortified to being able to like put your arm on someone in public and how freeing that felt that made me that and like we must acknowledge the fucking sexual trauma which like i have to admit that i was a little shook not that i don't think that women are sexual assaulters they absolutely can assault people but when we think about like me too and what happens on sets i feel like we rarely hear about a woman being the perpetrator of that Never. I mean, not never, but not a lot. Early. So when he wrote about that, I was like, oh, and then the way that she basically was like, this is what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Making him say like, yeah, that's what, like, I just don't know how you, I don't know how you do that. And then I don't know how you live with yourself. Delusion. They're delusional. So like, yes. And like, I feel like what, like, I mean, all of it was so tragic, but it's like, you already don't get to explore your sexuality in a way that somebody does who is like allowed to explore that. And then as you're not able to express and explore sexuality, you're sexually assaulted. Like, I just feel like it's like it hit him from every single fucking angle. And like, that's why they call it like a queer puberty for a lot of people is like, you Mm -hmm. don't get to experience the puberty and like, just like the normative sexual experiences that like Mm -hmm. sexual people do in high school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, there was so many things that happened to Elliot that I was like, one of these things would have wrecked me. And he just kept surviving. He did. And I, it, it's admirable. It's, He's an icon. He is a fucking icon. I've also been a fan of his movies from the very beginning. Like when I was first becoming an actress, I loved him in Juno. I literally idolized that movie. I wanted to be that role so bad. And he is one of the most skilled actors ever, I think. Like, I have to admit, I only saw him in Juno, I think. I, but I've seen I'm like a couple more. I'm not a movie person, so. But, like, we need to watch The Whip It. I saw the the trailer for it on HBO. It looks so good. Drew Barrymore directed her directorial debut. Wait, is that the roller derby? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There was just so much gayness in this book. I was like, thank I know. fucking God. Thanks. It was so fun to read. And, like, get the... Fun. Get the behind the scenes. You're, like... I felt like you were on set with them. I, I haven't read a lot of books that made you feel... Like you were right there. Like he spoke very candidly about everything that happened on set. I loved I mean, it. We talked about Kate Mara. I was like, daddy. I mean, we fucking love that. Except that was so devastating for him. I know. Cause like he was, ex- you know, she was exploring and he was like, I'm fucking in love with you. I know that was really sad. But then he acknowledged that he was chasing these unavailable people and he turned over like a new leaf and, learned a lot and I was very proud of him because I've been that girly that chases unavailable people and I understand so hard to turn over that leaf how much easier it is to chase someone who's not available because then you don't get hurt as much because they're not really there right and I imagine for him it was like a deserving thing in part I bet you he like didn't feel deserving of that's what he was told his entire life and like all of these like loves that he had and had to hide just was so devastating. Like you said, like imagine having to not share a hotel room with your own fucking partner mm-hmm. you to be in different hotel rooms. It reminds me of like being a beard and yeah. like having to like 
hide and cover up for people, how just like awful to your sense of self that must be. And to your relationship. I mean, none of his relationships worked out. And I imagine Mm -hmm. quite a bit of it was from being closeted. Of course. That how can you fully experience the relationship if it's if you're hiding the whole time? It's not possible. And I love the relationships he nurtured with friends and all the trips he took with them. And he had so many different kinds of relationships from people that weren't necessarily his blood family. One of the chapters was called that or something. It was like the family that you choose or something. And I really appreciated that. He really like made his own community of people he deeply loved. And he's surrounded by so much love and so many people that care about him. No, it's very true. I was the the composting chapter was very interesting. I know it's like neither here nor there, but like, yeah, what an experience. I was actually thinking of that and being like, I want to do something like that, but also I would never last. I I have to be frank. When I think about composting your shit, I'm like, so you just put a bunch of poop in a bin and it creates fertilizer. Is that what fertilizer is? I think that's so it's like if I'm touching the soil in my plants, like, is that poop? I don't really, th- I think it like turns over. I think it like changes. <laughs> so when your dogs are eating soil, they're really eating shit. I'm kidding. That's not want- true. No, they probably are. And I No, want- I don't, I really don't think that's true. I'm looking. No, at I would love to be that person, but like, I just am not that girly. I admire it. And I think we need it because our planet is tanking. Yeah. Elliot's always been so conscious of our planet and doing what's good for it. And protesting and making conscious change and i feel like yeah we need him he's he's like doing all of our work for us we need to get on his level it makes me think about how i can be more like eco-friendly how do you do it keith is pretty eco-friendly i mean even like no, no buying plastic water bottles like i use a refillable water bottle that's super important we don't really like to use a lot of plastic at all recycle you can take your compost. We have a compost drop off in our neighborhood. Keith did it for like five years before we started dating. And then I kind of ruined the tradition. I need to Is get compost like extra food. Yes. It's like like eggshells are like. Okay. Pits. I'm looking it up. People are going to be like, these girls are idiots. No, I didn't even know you had to recycle when I moved to New York. Like, and I, I know it sounds wild because I like didn't recycle in LA. You can get like fined. Oh yeah. My super ripped me and was like, stop putting the recycling in with the trash. And I was like, I literally, I was like, what are you talking about? And then he told me like, Allegra, do you see these trash cans? Like you literally (laughs) have to recycle. Oh my God. This is such a bad look for me. The police is going to show up and take you to recycling jail. Compost is leaves and food scraps. Oh, okay. Maybe I should compost. I do recycle. I don't have any plastic, really. Um, interesting. Yeah, so we're basically like nature girlies now. We're eco-front. People are like, you bitches are not. Yeah, you, no, we're You all heard the tinkling of the straw, okay? We are eco-front. No, that was, yeah, that was glass. We use glass straws. There you go. There we. Speaking of glass straws, nobody cares, but I like to sleep in. A little bit more than Keith does. He wakes up really early and he stirs his water. He puts this like lime in his water and he stirs with the glass straw and the tin, the tinkling, the clinking wakes me up every morning and I've had enough. And you know what? I talked to him about it. I think a change is going to happen because no, that clinking, I would die. 
Like, I'm sorry, but you must go outside. Like, go in the hallway and, and tinkle it. Not when I'm But it's sleeping. crazy because, like, I can't hear anything. I can't hear if he talks. I can't hear if he burps. I can't hear anything. But I can hear a fucking glass straw. Why is that? I feel like our brains are trained to hear it because it's actually the same. Like, last night, my fridge, I don't know why it does this. And I'm, like, not even going to ask questions. The alarm started going off. And it woke me up and I heard the beeping, but it's like a beeping that you like normally wouldn't hear, but I don't hear anything else. I feel like I think, it might be like that noise that the ear is like trained to seek out. Guys, we're fucking scientists. Tune in next episode <laughs> for Science 101. All the answers. Yeah, doctor, I, would need him to, I would need him to not clink the straw. Dr. Castens is covering Dr. Cat. That's the science of straws. That's my sister, Dr. Castens. Sick. I love this book. What would you rate it, Allegra? You know what? I'm going to go with a 4.2. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Such a good writer. He's such a good writer. I still stand by what I said that he didn't need to do as much. But again, that just, I might have different, like my assistant was like, I loved the literary voice. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. You know, like it might just be my taste. I wish it, like I said, I stand by, I wish it was like a, we were a little bit more oriented in the story, but he's a fantastic writer. It was so vulnerable. I was hooked. I felt like I was in the scenes with him. And like, I I just, I feel like Hollywood is such an interesting beast. So yeah, 4.2. What about you? I'm going to do 4.2. Honestly, that's what I was thinking. I I love the memoir. I love the story. I love the peek inside his life. I loved how candid, how vulnerable he was. I also got a bit jumbled in where we were chronologically a few times. And I my brain didn't handle well, like jumping back and forth and back and forth. That's why I would take off point eight. Uh, and, also, and also the history part. I'm not a history girly, but. No, all you history girlies will love that it. was the literally I lost my password to the DMV and that was my security question today was what was your least favorite his, um, subject history. in school when it was history same like, well that makes sense not my thing history and science actually I hated both oh my god same my worst subjects like I yeah I was so bad I was so bad at science it like wasn't even funny yeah I, I can't comprehend. I hate history. I'm sorry. I know it's fucked up and I probably should like history, but like, I'm like, I don't care about the 1700s. I'm sorry, but there's no part of me that wants to learn about like mummies. It's just zero, zero interest. I did so well in writing in English. Like that's like the only class I did well in and I hated everything. Else. Math was like my favorite subject. Oh, I did well in math too. Yeah. Weirdly. That's weird. Crazy. Like I feel like AP calculus. I was lit. Yes, I love I like I actually I think my mom was a um accountant so I w- had this like math gene but I didn't love math I was just really good at it. I loved math and this is like totally mm. aside but my favorite class in college was literally intro to logic and the whole class was symbols and the symbols meant something and you had to logic your way out of the symbols to get to the answer. Like I wish oh, in my lit. notebooks it was like triangle 2 plus like x z seven it was gnarly and then you would get to just like one x at the bottom favorite class that kind of sounds awesome that's like a puzzle right it was a puzzle i know it was pretty wild it was a freaking puzzle 
All right, girly pops. That's it from us today. Allegra's going to go drink Aperol spritzes. I'm going to go sleep because I am insane. And I think we're going to take a two-week hiatus for a little summer break, sad girl summer. And then we'll see you in two weeks with a list of of September 11th. Okay, sad girl. So you can prep while we're on hiatus. We are going to be doing Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. That'll be the first book we cover. So y'all can read that first. And then we are going to be doing the highly sought after A Court of Thorns and Roses, Akatar for the nickname by Sarah J. Mass. Yes. And those will be our two September books. We're transitioning into a little, like a new little setup. We're going to cover a book every other week and then in those in-between weeks we'll either bring on an author or a guest or we'll just talk sad girl sermon you know because sad girls you're telling us that it's hard to read a book a week and we agree it's really hard and we want to listen to you because we care about you this has nothing to do with us i'm just kidding and everything to do with you it's hard out there okay it's hot out there take your meds drink your coffee Okay, sad girls. Bye, sad girls. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe and follow our show. It's the way that we can get the word out about our sad girl podcast and more sad girls can find their community. And if you'd like to follow us on other platforms, we're on Instagram at sad girls who read and TikTok at sad girls good books. We love you, sad girls.